a team loses a player, that's an easy thing for the most part to measure. Player was here, player is gone. When a team enters a training camp environment with all kinds of unknowns in the potential positive sense, it doesn't get as much discussion beforehand, does it? But every single camp produces its share of pleasant surprises. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into hockey in or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Nothing becomes a bigger deal in a training camp. Not OTAs, not mini camp, not rookie camp, not any of that stuff. Actual training camp, Latrobe, okay? Nothing becomes a bigger deal than when a new face, a new name, comes out of nowhere and everyone starts buzzing about them. There are fans at Chuck Knoll Field. There are people taking video, taking pictures, watching the drills, seeing who it is that jumps out. And everyone likes to circle that one number that nobody's familiar with. And it's usually not just one player. It's usually three or four of them. And within that, it's usually not the draft picks. Because we've already done our fussing over the entire draft class. It's Mike Hilton. You know, that's basically what we're talking about. Mike Hilton showed up training camp undrafted. He was too small. And you know how I know that? Because Mike Hilton would yell it out after every play he'd make. And you know where he'd yell it? He'd yell it in the direction of the franchise's head coach. And the head coach loved it. The head coach would yell it right back. You're too small. (laughs) You can't play. And Hilton just kept finding ways to make football plays and impressing everyone. Hilton became not just an NFL starter, but a pretty good one. And Hilton worked his way into a pretty nice contract as a free agent this offseason in signing with the Bengals. Great story, and it might have a sequel this summer. Shakur Brown is the name that you're going to want to latch on to early on, before this even gets going. He's undrafted too, out of Michigan State. Had five interceptions in seven games last year. Four pass breakups on top of those picks. So why was he still there? Meaning once the entire draft, all seven rounds were done, why was he still sitting there? Not taken by anyone? It's simple, and this is almost always how this goes. His raw numbers, his athletic numbers, in this case at his pro day, were awful. 4.61 seconds in the 40-yard dash. One of the worst times of anybody, of any cornerback, 
in the draft class. 116-inch broad jump, 35.5-inch vertical, 7.08 seconds in the three-cone drill, 4.23 seconds in the shuttle, all like blah, right in the middle. But it's the 40 that knocked him out. There are a lot of football scouts, football evaluators, who can't get past that because that, to them, is the fatal flaw. That's not something they can coach out of you. I mean, they can make you a little faster. They can make you a little bit more efficient, but not much. You're either fast and quick, strong, agile, or you're not. There's only so much that conditioning can do to change that. And Then you look at Brown's video. You look at his highlights when he was at Michigan State. You see what he's done on a football field, how he has stuck like glue to wide receivers, how he mirrors their routes. And then you add into that the scenario that he's entering. Steelers need this player. They need someone who can do this. If Cam Sutton does, in fact, stick to the inside, and I'll go on the record one more time, I really hope that he does. I hope James Pierre can manage the outside corner in Stephen Nelson's place, and I hope that Sutton can continue to be used as he has been in the past. The Steelers will still need inside help. They will still need a dynamic Hilton type to handle multiple receiver sets from the other side. They'll need someone who can bring the guy down after the catch as well. We all get caught up in interceptions and and breakups, and they're great. They change the game. You'd always prefer a DB who can do that over one who can't. But what put Mike Hilton on the roster that first season and what made Mike Hilton eventually a very wealthy man was his ability to just make football plays. He had a sense for it. He knew how to play the game. I don't mean to be talking about him in the past tense. I, I hope he does really well in Cincinnati. I'm sure he'll still do all those things with the Bengals. He had a sense for the game. He had a sense that went beyond whatever his time was in the 40 or his long jump or whatever else. That's what Brown showed in college. That's what Brown has shown in rookie camp, in OTAs, and now minicamp. He hasn't been a star. He hasn't jumped out at anyone. But he doesn't need to. Not in that setting. Once you get to Latrobe and you start seeing actual drills that look like football, you know, offense versus defense, the sound of pads smashing into each other, that was when we started paying attention to Hilton. And he made sure that we did. 
too. I, I'm, I'm not going to make a prediction here as to whether or not Brown is going to be the guy, the one uh, that we're talking about. I strongly suspect that no matter what else happens in Latrobe, we're all going to be fussing first and foremost over every little thing that Najee Harris does. This is going to be an unusual camp in that regard. When you have a first-rounder coming in at a skill position where he touches the ball as often as Harris will, that's going to be almost everyone's focus. That part I can predict very safely. But given the precedent that Hilton set, Given what Brown can do, and given what the Steelers need someone to do on that defense, my goodness, would that be a wonderful subtext to anything that Najee does out in Latrobe. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question. That's always brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated. That's the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at LGKG.com or by calling 888 888- Eight four two five four five four. Today's question comes from Jesse George, and he asks regarding David DeCastro, who's been one of the main topics of debate that we've had here for a few days now. Would you really want to see five brand new starters on the offensive line? Because that's what it would be without DeCastro. Chooks never started on the left side. Banner has one start on the right. Kevin Dotson will be a stud, but he's still inexperienced. We don't know yet if Kendrick Green is ready at center. So why would anyone want to throw another variable in there? I'm with you, Jesse. I'm with you on every count here. Dave did not play well in 2020. Dave was not healthy in 2020. Dave still toughed it out, and Dave still didn't give up sacks, didn't let his quarterback get annihilated and knocked out for the season. And I feel like I need to mention that now in almost every reference to the offensive line's performance last season because they've become pretty easy fodder for criticism while at the same time they did warts and all fulfill their ultimate mandate which is to make sure that Ben Roethlisberger remains both vertical and healthy Ben did Ben finished the season he didn't finish it at his best but it wasn't because he'd been knocked out It wasn't because he'd been pulverized. So even when it comes to evaluating Alejandro Villanueva, for example, you can't say, wow, Ali was just terrible. He was awful. He didn't look anything like... Because we saw him get challenged by some exceptional 
edge rushers on his side. Carl Lawson's the one that jumps out the, the game in Cincinnati. My goodness, what he was doing to Allie. But at the same time, Ben made it. You know, uh, there was a whole lot of bend, but they didn't break. Dave was part of that. Dave was part of that. And you're right, Jesse. If you set up an offensive line where all five guys, to some extent, are an unknown, you're leaving yourself open for just one of them going bad. And a worst-case scenario, that, of course, being Ben getting hurt. It's, it's, it's not optimal. The best situation here, as it relates to Dave, is that he comes back, but at the same time, the Steelers work out some kind of restructure or extension that allows for additional cap room so that they can address backup edge rusher, backup safety, and another couple of needs that they've got. My feeling at the moment is that this is how it'll play out. I have a hard time understanding why else Dave would go to minicamp at all, much less be visible to all of us who are covering the team by standing out there on the field, conversing with his teammates, conversing with Matt Canada, with Mike Tomlin. Why do that if your intention or even your inclination is to be done with football. I do think Dave will be back. I appreciate the question, Jesse. That's good stuff. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm.